You are listening to The Current Podcast, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Tuesday, November 10th. Coming up, we've got a very moving, insightful, and poignant discussion with a panel of IT Services military veterans. The Veterans Day holiday is this week, and of course, the 11th of November is a date of great historical importance. They call it Armistice Day in most parts of Europe to commemorate the end of World War I, way back in 1918. Back here stateside, we started observing November 11th in 1919 to commemorate the end of the war to end all wars. It became a national holiday in 1938, and in 1954, Ike officially changed the name from Armistice Day to Veterans Day. So, what's it like to be a veteran working at IT services? Let's find out from Inez Hicks, Paul Kruger, and James Seddon. This is Mark Herzberger, Communications Manager for the Department. Today's episode, we will celebrate Veterans Day with a few IT services veterans, and I will welcome them to introduce themselves. We can go in reverse alphabetical order by first name, which leads us to uh, ladies first. Thank you. Um, My name is Inez Hicks. I'm the Installation and Repair Team Supervisor. I've been at the university for 30 years, and I served eight years in the U.S. Army as a flight operations coordinator. Cool. James? Uh, I'm James Seddon. I'm Associate Director of Data and Voice Networking on campus. I've been at the university for 15 years. I'm a Navy veteran. I did uh, six years active duty Navy and then 15 years in the reserves doing all kinds of strange things. I was a surface warfare officer on a couple of ships, training command, and I was in IT in the Navy for a little bit, and I spent a lot of time as a staff officer in the Navy with various staffs. So that's me. We're Paul. I'm Paul Kruger. I'm a project operations analyst for the PPMO, and I did five years in the Navy, and I had a uh, I was master at arms was my rate, but uh, when I was in Afghanistan, I actually was working on a joint forces team with the army as an assistant operations officer. So a lot of a lot of different non-Navy experience that I had in the Navy. <laughs> thank you all for your service, first of all, and then thank you for joining us for this podcast. And we'll note that um, each of the guests have written um, some brief essays that we've posted on The Current, and, and those essays focus on some of the lessons learned from their military experience that they apply to their civilian professional endeavors. So, you know, please read those. We're going to talk a bit today just about their uh, veteran experience and, and what that's like. So why don't we start off um, for each person briefly. Uh, what was your pathway to the Army and Navy, uh, respectively? Uh, well, I guess I can go first. So joining the Navy, uh, to me, checked a lot of boxes that I had going on at the time. So I, I grew up in this tiny little town, and I really wanted to get out of that tiny little town. Uh, so that was one box. I wanted to uh, go to college, and I had expensive college tastes, but my family's budget was not expensive college budget. 
So uh, uh, getting the Navy to pay for my college was a, another box of check. I was all excited about uh, flying jets, and that was going to check another box, although once I got in the Navy, I changed my mind about that. So for me, get, getting in the Navy was something that achieved lots of my goals all at once. Got me out of my little town, paid for my college, and embarked me on an adventure that, that I wanted to go on. So that's uh, basically how I started. Great. My pathway to the Navy was actually, I guess, somewhat similar to James, but I wasn't in a small town. I'm actually from Orange County, right up the road. But I did want to have college paid for, and I did want to have adventure. And of course, uh, I didn't. I wanted to uh, be a Navy SEAL because, like many veterans my age, uh, 9/11 was a was a pretty big uh, influence and went wanted to join the military, but. I thought I did my little research, looked into the Army, Marine Corps, things like that, but I decided I wanted to try out for Navy SEALs. And, you know, alas, when I got in, I could not swim fast enough. Turns out it's really hard training. Who knew? But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did I did end up uh, you know, doing five years as a master at arms and did end up deploying to a war zone. So uh, most of my goals were met. Just you achieved to, adventure anyway. Exactly. Just not with a trident. But now I'm at UCSD, so there's tridents everywhere. Just kidding. That's your happy ending. <laughs> well, um, I've shared my story with a couple people, and it's uh, totally separate. Um, I never planned to go to the military. My, As far as my military dreams went, it was just singing along with the commercials that would come on, the different themes. I had a friend in high school who said we had graduated from high school. We were working at an insurance company. We were we had really great jobs for you know people our age kids our age and she said hey let's join the army and I'm like okay she's like well no no we're, let's join the army we could do the buddy plan and I was like oh okay so hmm, we're still gonna we'll still be working we'll be able to go to school and work at the same time we don't have to give up one for the other so sure let's go only um I the recruiter came picked me up I went through the process and uh, raised my hand and everything. And then I spoke to her a couple days and she changed her mind and I'm committed and stuck. So that was my, I didn't, I never envisioned going into the military, but once I made the commitment, I followed through with it and I got so much more. I think since I went in, I didn't have any expectations other than to just survive. I had a wonderful time I learned a lot. I got a chance to see and do things I never would have done. And um, for me, I think it was just a, a truly wonderful experience. Yeah, let's follow that up for each of you. I wanted to ask during your service, what, what were some of the most re rewarding aspects? For me, um, <laughs> I enjoy traveling and traveling to different countries. I enjoyed, um, well, being in Army Aviation, we flew to um, just about everywhere we went. So I got a chance to do a lot of traveling. I love learning new languages. So um, I got a chance to learn, not an expert at any of them, but I can communicate in several different languages. And that was something that I really enjoyed. Yeah, Paul? Well, I, I like to travel now. I'd never traveled before I joined the Navy. And then you know, of course, I uh, always hear stories about people in the Navy. Oh, yeah, we went to Italy and we went to Greece and we went to Australia and we went to Japan. And of course, 
the only countries I go to are Afghanistan, Kyrgyzstan, and Kuwait. So that wasn't definitely, uh, that wasn't fun. But I will say that um, one of the more rewarding aspects was kind of following on, following in my grandfather's footsteps in a way. I, he was a pilot in World War II, but it was a situation where, you know, he heard the call of his country and he joined up and did what he wanted to do. And even though I wasn't a pilot, I joined up and tried to do what I wanted to do. But it was one of those things where me and my grandfather, the only two veterans in our family. So it was just kind of following in his footsteps. It was uh, rewarding when I uh, was able to pay for my college with the v with the GI Bill. And I think also just, I think the biggest part is, is just kind of doing my part, kind of like my grandfather did in World War II. It's just, you know, not everybody's going to be out there to fight the war and some of us just got to do our part and that's what I felt like I did, so. James? Yeah, so I, th I think some of the most rewarding parts for me were were getting to see things and places all over the world. Uh, I, I definitely got a little bit of the join the Navy, see the world part. I've been, you know, lots of places. Um, even though I didn't have, I'm not as salty as, as many uh, retired sailors after 21 years, but uh, even so, I, I did get sent to lots of places and saw all kinds of things, all, all lots of parts of nature and parts of the world and, and uh, different cultures and, and seeing how uh, different people live. And I think that has all really enriched me as a, as a person uh, to see all of that. And I think what I felt when I felt most rewarded was when I would stop and realize how much responsibility the Navy has given me at some point. And I, you know, early in my career on, on the ship, I had, uh, on my first ship, I had lots of times where I had that sense where I'd be on the bridge watch and, you know, two thirds or three quarters of the 350 person crew are all asleep. And it's me and my team up on the bridge and they are, they are all, trusting their lives with me and my team up on the bridge. And it's, it was always very rewarding to me that, that that sort of responsibility that you get trained to handle and you're supported to handle it. And then, then you're trusted with it. And it's uh, I always found that rewarding. So I guess, I guess those are the big ones for me. Okay. And what were some of the most challenging aspects of your, your service time? Want to start us off, Paul? Well, uh, I was never really very disciplined. I was always a smart kid, but I just never had the discipline to like do my homework, you know, or finish my assignments or just clean my room, things like that. I mean, I had great parents, don't get me wrong, but they just didn't have the most uh, discipline in the world. But joining the military really kind of instilled that sense of, you know, just getting things done. And once they're done, you feel better about it. So that actually helped once I got, you know, I mean, I'm barely graduated high school, but then, you know, once I got out and went to San Diego State, I was on the Dean's list every, every semester. So it was just, it was just that, that little bit of, um, you know, taking everything seriously, you know, getting work done, uh, getting it done as quickly as you can, staying organized. That was a big challenge for me at first, but when I got it, I got it. And now it's a permanent part of my life. Also, as far as challenging, I think the military itself, I was I don't know why, but kind of naturally good at it. And then once I got out of the military, reverting to civilian life was very, very challenging. And Ines, challenges? My challenge in the military was when at the time I went in, 
there were, well, I don't want to say at the time, but um, I had the pleasure of being stationed with a lot of other soldiers who didn't like women in the military. And so just, they never had a problem expressing that to you. They made it a point to express that to you on a regular basis. So my naturally competitive, I'm a naturally competitive person. So I think that experience, even though it was a challenge, it was a plus because it made me work harder to show them that not only can I meet you where you're at, you know, I made a point to exceed them just so that I would have that satisfaction of saying, okay, well, what else do you have? So that was uh, one of my biggest challenges in the military. And, you know, I, I, th I think Inez is making a really great point. And I think it's obvious that, that for example, me, I, that's just a challenge I did not face in the military, obviously. And, and it's very easy for me to take it for granted. And so I, I think it's real, the point Inez is making is a very important one. And I just want to glom onto it a little bit to say that for many um, women, that, that phenomenon continues after they're out of the military and are a veteran where society has trouble seeing them as veterans. Uh, and I'm not speaking for Inez here, but I, I have many women veteran friends who may have a, uh, a, a Navy sticker on their car or a service sticker on their car. And when they, uh, they get out, somebody will walk up and say, oh, is your husband in the military or is your is your brother or your father you know it the the the, the furthest thing from their mind is that the, the woman in front of them is the veteran that's being referenced by something they're wearing or something they have in their car which is no good and i i'm hoping that that is changing uh but i'm not sure it is anyway i think it does makes a great point and and the idea uh, i think i think women veterans also face similar challenges to be considered and viewed as bona fide veterans at least some women do so i'd like to add to that as well i just wanted to point out that the first time we ever got into combat in yaya kel we had our female uh, soldiers and sailors that were returning fire like champs meanwhile we had a couple of uh, male soldiers literally in tears because they were panicking so whenever somebody says women can't be in the infantry i sit there and think about the two women that were returning fire while the two men were crying in the, in the in the front of the vehicle so yeah in yeah. fact i want to keep going on this and this is probably going to regret bringing this up but the, uh, <laughs> no. the, you definitely have to work harder and, and you know when when it hits the fan they're the ones returning fire so you uh, know I, I i benefit a little bit in that um i joined the navy at a time and was assigned to, to units that um i was never assigned to a unit that did not have women in right which is partly why I think it's it's nuts that uh, women in the military and women after they leave the military as veterans aren't treated the same because there was there was there was not a single place that I went uh, with the Navy that there were not women right next to me, mm -hmm. even in all those the dangerous places. Right. And as Paul points out, the idea that they that I mean, it's just laughable. Right. And, and as Paul, as Paul points out here, uh, women are in combat and have been in combat for a really long time. And. It, you know, so whenever Congress opens up a debate about, you know, quote unquote, whether women should serve in combat, I just, my eyes roll out the back of my head because they're already in combat. They're already serving well in combat. It's just a, I don't know, that's a big joke to me. Anyway, sorry. 
Well, no, I, I'm happy. I'm happy that, you know, we're having this conversation because I've experienced both of what you were saying, James, my husband's in the military, not in the military. He was in the army also, and we'll go places and they'll say, they'll see him and say, oh, thank you for your service. And my husband has to say, she served also. And I told him, I don't even have the time. If I don't wear a hat that says army veteran, they just always assume. And one time we were, uh, I want to say Veterans Day last year, we were in Vegas. And this lady said, oh, they made a hat for your husband in your size. Jeez. And I'm like, <laughs> I, <really> wanted, to, <laughs> I wanted to respond, but I didn't. I just smiled and, you know, and to what you said also, um, Paul, about combat. I had a drill sergeant, drill sergeant Cruz, I will never forget him. Because the whole time we're competing against other platoons, all male platoons, he's, you know, he told us one time, he said, look, you have to be better. You have to work harder. He said, but I would rather serve, I would rather have a female beside me in the foxhole. He said, not take anything away from my male soldiers, but women are thinkers. While men are prone to react, a man will take off and run while a woman would sit and calculate. And, you know, to to us, uh, to other female veterans, it's like, okay, so somebody does actually appreciate me being here and what I have to contribute to this team. And as when you first went into the Army, were you aware of the the gender imbalance or, or the struggles you would face? And then how did you, how did you come to really maybe re realize it head on? And, and what was that adjustment like for you? Uh, no, I didn't because joining the army was never in my future forecast. So I had no expectations. And then I grew up in a very strict environment. So when I encountered for me, the first thing that when I encounter that kind of negative and I'm like, oh, well, I'll show you is usually my take when I encounter stuff like that. But I don't think if that was my goal was to join the military, it wouldn't have deterred me. It wouldn't have deterred me at all. I was just going to say the last little female veteran story that I'll tell is in one of my other veteran circles. Uh, I'm acquaintances with a woman who is a who is a veteran uh, with some service-connected disabilities, and she has a uh, service dog who's a really wonderful dog, by the way. But anyway, she has her, uh, her service dog, and her service dog uh, wears a vest that identifies uh, her as a service dog and has some service stickers on it. And she is, is people are, are interested in her service dog. By the way, if you're listening to this and you don't know, and you see a veteran's service dog, it's best not to pay any attention to it at all. Uh, if you are really want to say hello, you can ask the veteran if you, uh, if it's okay if you say hello. It often is not. The, the veteran is, or the service dog is often working and not socializing. But anyway, aside from that, uh, people uh, for this, this veteran friend of mine, We'll, we'll walk up, see the patches on her service dog's vest, and ask her if her dog is a veteran. If, if, if her dog was some sort of, you know, uh, service dog in the military, a bomb-sniffing dog or, or something, and that she's, you know, that the dog is now retired and she is taking care of this veteran dog. She gets that a lot. It is just nuts. 
uh, it just, again, the last thing that seems to be in some people's minds is the woman standing in front of them could be a veteran. And how have each of you maybe uh, applied uh, these lessons learned about, uh, you know, the role of women in society and professions? How have you applied it, um, you know, to civilian life or your professional career? I think, uh, I think I'm lucky because like James said, in the Navy, working with women is kind of commonplace. Um, I didn't realize how segregated the Marine Corps and the Army were until I started working with them. But I think it's a good thing. I even had a, a female commanding officer at one point, and it's just I've always kind of had this this idea of you know not only are women doing the same thing as we are, uh, but they're even in command in a lot of cases. So I it, it blows my mind when I hear cases about women in the civilian world being talked down to by you know, male executives or male bosses or something like that, or women not making the same amount of money as men because, you know, you know all this, all the stuff that you hear about, you know, frankly, is just misogynistic and I'm just trying to figure it out. So I think the fact that I never really experienced this, you know, male driven military experience, you know, we've always been kind of conditioned that women are not only equal, but can also be in command. Uh, so I, I, I think that that's, a plus for me because I have always seen women in that way uh, after the military. Like they, I, you know, I've had female bosses and just like, all right, they're in charge. I've had female coworkers. I'm like, they're just, you know, they're probably in most cases better than more organized than I am. You know, so I think it's, it's interesting when I hear former Marines or army, you know, sit there talking about how women can't do it. I'm like sitting there thinking to myself, wow, you must have had a completely different military experience than I did. For each of you, what was your what was your pathway out of the military and what was that transition like? Wanna start, James? Sure, so I, I had, uh, I like to say I got out of the military several different times. <laughs> the first time I got out of the military is when I left active duty uh, and I left active duty primarily because while there were a ton of things that I really enjoyed about the Navy, um, I realized by the end of my first commitment that there were life goals I had that were going to be very difficult to achieve with if I stayed in uh, active duty. Um, I was in, I had a um, serious girlfriend at the time. She's not my wife, and I wanted to make that transition successful. But on in active duty Navy, I was gone all the time. Um, you know, even if you know if I, if I wasn't deployed, we were doing workups. If I wasn't, you know, if we we're actually in port and not doing workups, then I was spending one out of every four nights on the ship on duty. I was just gone all the time, and I knew that I wanted to get married and start a family and then be around for the child. So I, I left active duty primarily for those reasons: is that I just it, it wasn't going to allow me to put priority on the non-Navy aspects, non-Navy goals of my life that I wanted to. Um, I joined the reserves, which ended up being a perfect fit because it allowed me to stay Navy and do Navy things and also simultaneously pursue my non-Navy goals. So that was a good fit for me. Then I, uh, I left the Navy for good after um, 15 more years in the reserves. Um, and I, that was, it's interesting to me, I don't know if it's interesting to anybody else, but it was really interesting to me because I did enjoy the Navy uh, for so long. I always wondered if I was going to ever be ready to get out, basically. 
Um, and I knew that my wife was going to be ready for me to get out. Uh, you know, the reserves were still sending me around. Um, and toward the end of my career, I, I got sent to Afghanistan. And that was a really tough tour for me. And it was a really tough tour of duty for her and my family. And my return home was tough on both of us. Um, and so I, I could tell after that uh, deployment that she was going to be ready for me to get out as soon as I hit the, the, the eligible retirement age uh, where I could retire out of the Navy. I still wasn't sure I'd be ready, but then when the time came, I was ready. I discovered that I wasn't having nearly as much fun. I got promoted out of all the fun jobs and and was uh, not not having a whole lot of fun anymore. So I was ready to get out uh, when I retired and I I don't regret that for a second. So that's, that's, that's my story of my multiple times getting out. It's almost like Godfather three, they keep pulling you back in. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, Inez, what was your pathway out? There was a UCSD at the time. It was um, UC Medical Center. I would come up here and they had a life flight program where the helicopter would go out to these different, respond to different traumas and everything else. And that was similar to what I was doing in the military. And so I would network with them. And every time I came and leave and every time I came home on leave, I would do a little more networking and a little more networking with them. And um, they told me that a position was going to be coming available that I would definitely be a qualified candidate to apply for that job. Because I was I was straddling the fence. Do I really want to get out of the military? I enjoyed the military, but my whole mindset was, you know what, I'm young. I can go knock out a couple of years. I'll still be young when I get out. So I'll have plenty of life left. And I was straddling a fence of staying and going. So, but when I found out that this position was actually coming available, I decided, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and end my service. And because I had a job lined up to go to still doing the exact same thing that I love, just in a different aspect and a civilian aspect. Unfortunately, <laughs> In between the time I actually got out and the time I knocked on the door, their services were being transitioned over to a private company. So my transition to from military life to civilian life hit a brick road. But fortunately, um, while I was here, um, I was at the med center. I went over, I said, well, since I'm here, I applied for a casual one month job I said, okay, I'll take this job for one month, you know, until I figure out my next plan of, of attack. And that one month turned into three different jobs. And 30 years later, I'm still here. Wow, that's even more Godfather three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul, and then your, your pathway. Well, actually, I didn't intend on leaving uh, until I kind of just got got the short end of the, I'm trying to, you know, keep, I'm trying to not use my Navy language here, but basically. For our children uh, present, Paul. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, I, after just doing a, a year in Afghanistan, I, I was uh, promised to get first choice at orders. If you volunteer to go on deployment, you get first choice at orders, right? So I was actually intending on coming to Coronado to be on a boat team because I was a, a qualified coxswain at the time. So I could be on a boat team at Coronado right across the street from Bud. So I could train up, practice my swimming. And I had been doing uh, since the first time I failed. And I was going to try again, try to be a Navy SEAL again, right? Packed up our stuff, headed back to the States from Afghanistan. 
while we're in Kuwait waiting for our next flight out, I get a call from my uh, leading petty officer and he says, oh yeah, those awesome Coronado boat team orders got canceled. So you're going to go to Bahrain for three years and just like do gate guard duty. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm, you know, like I just spent a year in Afghanistan. I'm a combat veteran with all these new qualifications that I got. And you're going to put me on gate guard duty in Bahrain for three years. It was at that point when I decided you know, college sounds like a good idea. So I ended up uh, out in San Diego, whether or not the Navy helped me or not. So I just decided to get out. You know, I finished up my five-year contract, got out, uh, finished up what I needed to do at the community college and then went to San Diego State and I just kind of you know, never looked back. I did try to put in package for uh, Officer Candidate School after I graduated, but that didn't end up working out. So, and in retrospect, it's, it, uh, it's better because now I'm home, I'm safe, not moving around and packing up my stuff every other week, even though I have moved a couple times since I got out of the Navy. But, uh, but no, I, I think it's better now. I think in retrospect, sometimes, you know, a lot of the people that I was in with, you know, we were all E5s at the time and now they're all like senior chiefs and officers and stuff. And I'm just like, ah, if, I, if I would have stayed in, I would have been this and this and that. But I don't regret the uh, decision that I made. I, instead of, checking IDs in Bahrain for three years. I went to San Diego State and got my degree. So it worked out. As a veteran for each of you, what does the veterans holiday mean to you? Veterans Day holiday mean to you? I personally think that, um, well, Memorial Day is in honor of those who died in combat. Armed Forces Day is for those who are currently in the military. Veterans Day is for us. We're not in the military anymore. So it really bothers me and this is just, this isn't, this is kind of tongue in cheek and kind of like semi-serious, but it really bothers me when restaurants give free meals to veterans. There's a bunch of active duty people showing up to get their free meal. I'm like, get out of here, man. This isn't your holiday. <laughs> you're here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> go to the chow hall. You get free food anyway. <laughs> Daily. James, what does it mean to you? Yeah, I think I think Paul makes a good distinction that's sometimes lost on some, uh, some other folks, especially the difference between Memorial Day and, and uh, uh, Veterans Day. Uh, but speaking of Veterans Day, I think um, I, I think Veterans Day is uh, is important to celebrate um, the, the service of those who have all served in the military, and it's uh, it's. Um, a good time, one of the features of America, and, and people will argue back and forth about whether or not this is a good feature, is that a tiny percentage of Americans serve in the military. And it is uh, a, a unique experience serving in the military. Um, and so because such a tiny percentage of the population actually serve in the military, it's a unique experience that the rest of the population doesn't um, experience. And uh, it's, you know, certainly the military is not the only place like that. I mean, you know, first responders uh, also have a unique experience and, uh, you know, doctors do. I mean, so it's, the military is not unique, but it is one of those things that has, um, you know, it's really important to society. It is a unique experience. It is a challenging experience. Um, it's the kind of experience that sticks with you for a lifetime. And a lot of veterans are, are not um, spotlight grabbers. Like they, they, uh, and I totally get this. I, I feel a little bit about this too. I'm, I'm hesitant to stand up at the ballpark when they want the veterans to stand and my son kicks me in the shins till I do. But, uh, you know, they a lot of veterans are not interested in advertising that they're a veteran or drawing attention to themselves. 
So I think Veterans Day is really important for the country because it not only reminds the rest of the country about this unique and valuable experience and that this group of people have, but I also think it's important to to get veterans um, to celebrate their own service. And, and veterans are a diverse group and they have diverse feelings about their service, um, but there's a lot to celebrate about it. And so I think it's, it's really important uh, to, for, for both ends of the equation to have a day where you, uh, where you celebrate it. So I guess that's kind of my thoughts. Okay. Ines, what does Veterans Day mean to you? Everything that James said. The only thing I would add to that is that there are veterans who feel forgotten. They feel like their service in whatever capacity is minimized after, you know, you get out of the service. So I think it's important to acknowledge Veterans Day and whatever celebrations or accolades are given out to veterans on those days because veterans... You know, most people that served in the military are proud people. They don't walk around with shirts that say, hey, look at me, I served. You know, they're humble people for the most part. So I think it's very important that Veterans Day gets the recognition that it deserves. And why don't we um, close here? You know, for each of you, what would you like uh, listeners or, or just anybody out there to know about you know what veterans face, what that experience is like, and and what you know people can do to uh, help and support veterans. Want to start us off, Ines? Huh. I would like for people to acknowledge and I, the contributions of veterans. Veterans don't go into the military because they have no other choice. Veterans don't go into the military because um, they failed at everything else. So what I would like for people to do is to recognize that veterans are capable. They're capable, they're accomplished. There's a word I'm looking for that's escaping me, but Paul or James will chime in. Um, and that, that's pretty much what I would like for um, people to uh, take away from this conversation. Okay, Paul. Every veteran's got their own story. They have their own journey. They have their own challenges. And, uh, you know, I know a handful of veterans who work at UCSD who, like, you wouldn't even know they were a veteran. You know, so they were, like, like you know, says they were humble. And, I mean, I, you know, my, bus, my best buddy here at UCSD is a veteran, but, like, nobody knows it because he just absolutely doesn't even want to talk about it. And so that's one of the things that a lot of people have to deal with is, you know, some people don't want to relive those experiences and things like that. And actually it took me a while to try to kind of come to terms with, you know, being proud to be a veteran. Cause when I first got out, you know, I was active in the student veteran organization at San Diego state. But then after I graduated and I started to feel a lot of the challenges that a lot of veterans face, you know, um, had a hard time trying to find a job. I had no financial, you know, safety net. I had no, you know, um, I mean, the healthcare situation wasn't as good as I'd hoped it was either. And, you know, a lot of veterans have PTSD either from combat or from other experiences that they have had to go through. And so, you know, I, I personally, and another thing too, is I, you know, had to, took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that I too had PTSD from combat. And so it, it took a long time. It was really difficult. It was honestly really hard for me to just say that right now, but 
it's something that uh, some people have to kind of they have to take their own time to come to terms with those things. It's, it's, you know, a lot of the things that they experience, you never forget. Um, you know, one of my best friends in Afghanistan took his own life in 2012 because he just, he couldn't deal with it. So it's not easy for a lot of us. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for some, some might have uh, traumatic experiences and, you know, and they're just naturally, equipped to deal with it. Some of us aren't. Some of us had more traumatic experiences than others, but even people who had very minor traumatic experiences, anything from like a vehicle, like, uh, you know, accident or something like that, or, or, you know, lots of female veterans had to suffer PTSD from other situations. But um, I think it's uh, important to realize that, you know, we all are all dealing with our own things um, that come with the military but we aren't bad people. We aren't um, broken people. We are still capable of doing our jobs. We're still capable of being good people. And um, honestly, it's, it's one of those situations where uh, if you just wanna actually like sit down and talk to a veteran and if they're willing to open up and talk to you about it, it's just, it's just so much better for their experience. Like if, if you actually just want to hear about their experience, if they're willing to talk about it, don't push them if they don't wanna talk about it, but just being able, just being there to talk to someone just makes them feel a lot more comfortable, a lot more kind of gets a lot of pressure off of them. And um, I think it's the big thing about, you know, saying thank you for your service isn't what we want it's actually kind of like you know getting to know who we are and giving us a chance to show what we can do so because that's something that i always had to experience after college it was a whole bunch of thank you for your service but no you can't have a job thank you for your service but no you can't have a loan thank you for your service but no you can't live in this apartment complex so it's like you know i don't want to hear thank you for your service i want to hear let's see what you can do. I'm going to give you a chance to show that you, your experience can be a positive uh, contribution to this organization or the society or something like that. So I'm sorry, I'm getting into like real deep stuff here, but it's, it's, it's pretty important to me. A lot of the, a lot of the challenges that both I've gone through and a lot of my friends have gone through, it's just something that I want to make sure that the public knows about. No, we, we appreciate the candor. It's very, it's very moving. All right, James, you know, close it down for us. Sure. Uh, amen to everything Paul and Inez said, you know, and I'd want to applaud uh, Paul for talking about his uh, experience because it it ties into the things I was going to add, uh, which is there tend to be stereotypes about veterans, you know, the, and there's a couple. One one is the the action hero veteran, you know, the 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 movies the movie action hero who is fearless and does epic and wonderful things all the time. And, and, you know, there's that trope. And then there's also the broken veteran, you know, danger to himself or herself and others, um, you know, constantly wallowing in despair. There's, there's that trope. And like, like all tropes, they're basically wrong. I mean, there, there are some people that exhibit some of that, of course, um, but uh, they, they're mostly wrong most of the time. And so, you know, I, I, I would uh, ask, uh, folks to catch themselves if they begin to think about veterans in those ways and realize, as Paul says, uh, Inez, that, that veterans are complicated folks with, with all kinds of experiences. Um, so my, I guess my challenge to people would be to, to uh, 
take it to the next level, right? Uh, thank you for your service is nice. I always try to appreciate that. I always remember that the Vietnam era vets uh, received a, a very different sentiment from the society they returned to. And so I never want to take it for granted uh, when somebody says, thank you for your service. Um, and I know, Paul, you're not, you weren't saying that you were taking it for granted, but I, I do, echoing what Paul says, while I don't want to take it for granted, it can sometimes come across as compulsory or formulaic that people feel like that's the thing they're supposed to say. And so my challenge would be to take it to the next level and, and get to know a veteran if you don't know any. Ask about, uh, you know, where their favorite duty station was or, or you know, get to, get to know a little more about the veteran's experience. And so take that, that one extra step, um, uh, one step beyond thank you for your service and, and see how that goes and see what you learn. Um, and I, for veterans, I think it's important to, for us to, to fight uh, and demonstrate uh, that the stereotypes aren't always true. So that's why I think it's particularly important for uh, veterans who have uh, suffered PTSD, uh, like Paul has said, and like myself, I've been treated for PTSD. I think it's important for us, in spite of the fact that it may be uncomfortable to say that, uh, it's important for us to, to say that because I think that every time we do, we may reach somebody who says, huh, I always thought that people with PTSD were X, Y, Z, and yet Paul is, you know, something else. And I, so I think it's important that, uh, that, that veterans uh, continue to do that. So anyway, I think society right now is doing a much better job at valuing veterans than they did in the Vietnam era. But I think that there's still work to be done, especially in regards to um, fighting some of the stereotypes that, that exist around veterans. There you have it, IT services. Some, uh words of advice as you encounter veterans. I want to personally thank you, Inez, Paul, and James. Uh, this has been just a, a truly uh, amazing uh, conversation, and I uh, appreciate your time. Thank you. Happy to do thank it. for asking. What a truly amazing discussion that was. Also, I should note that Inez, Paul, and James have each written essays describing what their military experience taught them about life back in the civilian world. Those are all posted on the homepage of The Current. And to round out the episode, I am inspired to perform a dramatic reading of the lyrics to the Shirelles' 1962 hit Soldier Boy, including hitting that high note. Oh... Oh, on second thought, for the sake of your ears and, more importantly, my own vocal cords, I'll save that for next year. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.